So here we are. Uh, the nice thing about the summer and, and, and sermons is you're not going to see too much of me. I'm going to try to take as much of a break as possible. And we have a number of people speaking from uh, within the congregation, uh, delivering sort of summer, a summer sermon series. Uh, I typically try to take the summer off and give time to planning and, and stuff like that. So this will probably be my last one until September. And, but you're going to get to hear great things from great people in the community. Doug Sprunt will be speaking a couple of times. Jake will be speaking again. Um, uh, Vince is lined up. Uh, we have Richard Long coming from uh, Love Ottawa uh, and from Ottawa Vineyard. He'll be here with us and, and some others uh, lined up as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But the nice thing for me is that when I do speak, I get to just jump around. And one of the things I haven't done very much is tell stories from the Old Testament. And uh, this one has been an important story for me in the last uh, little while. Um, I spent a lot of time in the last few weeks at some conferences and some Vineyard Canada gatherings, uh, talking a lot with leaders about, about leadership. And one of the common threads that uh, seems pretty common, and it's something I felt pretty personally when Jeremy and Melissa stepped back and before our team was built, rebuilt in terms of a staffing uh, thing is, is a, as a leader, you often feel fairly lonely. And those of you who are in various careers, you might be working in a cafe or you might be managing an engineering project or you might be uh, working on a crew at various levels. You might be in school, in your class. At, at various levels, all of us are, are called to lead uh, the people around us and lead everybody that we care about into into a relationship with Jesus, but there's a dynamic in leadership where it can be isolating and, and cause you to be lonely and cause you to be weary. And uh, I just wanted to talk about that this summer a little bit and, and just give us a chance to understand um, something that can be done uh, as, as we lead and as we follow Christ in that to make the leadership much better and much more possible. So we're going to just start with this text, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13. So let's just pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you so much for um, the incredible uh, wealth of it. Thank you that there's, there's parts in this book that, that I have not mined, that I have not understood, that have not impacted my heart that I can live my whole life reading this book and, and, and be changed. The passage I read in my 20s will change me now in my, in my 40s. And, and as I read it sometime in my 80s, it will, it will change me again. Your book is powerful. Your word is powerful. I'm so grateful for how you live in it, how you live through it, how you teach us through it. We, we don't worship this book, but we worship its author. Uh, we're so grateful for you, God. Thank you for speaking to us through this. Uh, as we uh, connect this morning, I pray that there will be something here in this message for everybody that uh, would, would lead us to goodness, lead us to faith, lead us to hope, lead us to your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's just read our text together. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, and this is at the time, I should give a little background. This is at the time... Uh, of the Exodus at the time of sort of wandering about before they got into the promised land. Uh, Moses was still leading the people. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. I will stand at the top of the hill 
holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So this was one of many battles that happened in the time of Moses where uh, they were traveling about and some nation or some tribe uh, came and attacked them or they were forced into battle through one circumstance or another. And in this case, this army, uh, Amalek, came and attacked them as they were wandering. Now, the people of Israel are, are a huge, huge community of, of well over a million people. Numbers vary in terms of what scholars think. Some people say as many as two million. Some people say as many as a million. So, ever gone camping with a million of your closest friends? Like, like this is camping, right? This is not like, okay, let's just pick up and run away camping. This is uh, set up your tents and set up your, your area, camp out. You drive your stakes in the ground and you're there for a while until you basically have consumed the water and the grass in that area. And then your sheep all move along in a month's time or two months' time and into another area. They're essentially a nomadic people traveling throughout the land. And so everywhere they go, they set up their tents, they set up their organizational structure, they set up their uh, communities all in, all in rows, all by their 12 tribes, and uh, they set up their military to protect them all around, and, and somebody, Amalek, uh, comes and attacks. And, and near the space, uh, there's, a, there's a hill, there's kind of a vantage point where Moses could sort of see his whole uh, tribe, uh, his whole people of, of Israelites all sort of laid out there. And, uh, and so he sort of got a big picture view, a big picture idea of what's going on. And that's just something that's an important part of, of leadership is, is just being able to see what's going on with the, the community that you're leading with a sense of connectedness, a sense of, of knowing what's happening. One of my favorite spots to be, you'll notice, and I balance the, the value of this, there, there's sort of two places I could be on Sunday morning. I could be sitting here in the front row with my hands up like this, worshiping and modeling uh, uh, worship lifestyle. Uh, for you guys. So that's that's one thing I could be doing on Sunday morning when we worship together when I'm not leading from the front. Or I could be standing at the back, and, and I'm a stand-at-the-back kind of guy, and I don't know if it's the right way or not, but but for me, that moment as a leader is is one of my most important moments of the week. Uh, you, you don't know what's happening, but, but I'm standing back there every Sunday morning, and I'm looking out over the congregation, and I could see the whole thing and, and how it looks and how people are are, are sort of uh, relating to what's going on in terms of worship. I see various families who are there, and I'm praying for you. I know things going on in your lives, and I take a moment to pray for this family or for that family or to notice a family who's there who hasn't been there for a while or to uh, notice a family uh, that's uh, there and maybe hurting or a family that's missing. And I just get to stand up in that sort of place, and I get to just oversee the community, to look over the community. There's something about that kind of uh, looking over that's an important uh, 
part of leadership. And, and Moses in this story understood this. As the, as the battle was, was going to happen, this army drew near. He said, okay, Joshua, let's get our guys. I, I see how this whole thing is laid out. Let's get our soldiers together. We'll go and meet them before they get to the camp. Get everybody ready to go. Sharpen your swords. Grab your shields, uh, whatever it is uh, that you need to take with you. And get your guys out there. Get them ready to go. And I'm going to go stand up on the hill. And I'm, I'm going to do my job, which is to pray for you. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to stand up on the top of the hill and I'm going to just hold up my staff. Now, now, what do you think that sort of means from, from a leadership perspective, from the perspective of, of your leadership? Why, why, why is this an important part of the story? Why did Moses have to go on top of the hill and, and, and hold up his staff like that? It's, it's, I mean, maybe he read the latest exercise book and found the static stand, arms lifted, was the uh, next thing. It was, it's like yoga, but for community leaders with your staff and maybe he did I don't I don't know I don't I don't really understand that but what it was really clear was that Moses was telling his people that he was going to be there and he was going to be engaged that as much as those soldiers were out there fighting the battle uh, they knew that he was there with them and he was engaged and they would be able to fight the battle and they would be able to look up at the hill and they would be able to see Moses standing there um, Maybe you'll see his, his body silhouetted against the, uh, the, the sky, and they would know that Moses was there and praying for them and connecting them with, with God. So that's, that's an important part uh, of our leadership is being a connecting point between our people and the Lord. There's, there's sort of a, an almost a priestly role that happens when you lead. And we're talking now about people who are leading Sunday school and people who are leading uh, the, the wonderful uh, coffee teams. We're talking about Jake who um, manages a lot of our volunteers and our communications. And, and anybody who's leading anybody in the community is, is playing a role of, of connectedness between, uh, between the Father and, and the job that we're called to do as a community. So that's a piece of the role. But the other thing that's happening in that dynamic with Moses standing there is not only are people able to see him leading, not only is his leadership visible, but Moses is there and there's something that actually happens when uh, we pray. There's something that actually happens. And this is something, right, come on. Uh, this is, this is uh, Harold, do you guys know Harold here? Wave at us, Harold. Harold doesn't want me to single him out, but you know that Harold is here every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and he goes in that library and he prays for the church every, every Sunday morning? Because prayer is important, and what we've noticed since Harold started doing that, and, and as others will continue to join him over time, is that we notice the dynamic on Sunday morning is richer and fuller, uh, because there, there's prayer in the place. So there's something about Moses and the way he was praying. There's something about leaders praying. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, what my prayer life is like, but every morning I wake up somewhere in the neighborhood of... I've been sleeping until five recently, uh, but and and since I got the uh, the stupid sleep machine, I've been losing two hours of sleep of wakefulness by by sleeping properly. I have one of these CPAP machines. I look like Darth Vader, and I I sound like this. I breathe with the machine, but I don't snore. So Anna's really really happy about that. So I've been getting this extra sleep. But when I do get up and when I do get to my desk in the morning take off my, my sleep machine, I grab my water, take my vitamins, and the first thing I do when I sit down on my computer is I click on um, our little photo directory, 2015-2016 OVV photo directory. And I pray for every one of you who's in there. And if you started coming to church before or after we made that directory in October, I don't pray for you at all. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
if you, if you are in that directory, I remember to pray for you. And I do actually remember to pray for you uh, sometimes if, uh, if you're new. But, um, I, and I just, I just, that's another place where I just watch over the community and I look over the community. And I, sometimes if somebody I know they're really going through something, I'll, I'll kneel by my office chair and I'll, and I'll pray for you. And I'll take focus time to, to bring you before the Lord. So there's something about prayer. Now, the, the thing with all of that is, with that sort of role of leadership, and I'm talking about my role as a pastor and, and your roles as team leaders in various areas, and, and some of you, as you'll evolve into leaders of teams, as this church continues to grow, there's tons of leadership that is going to be built up in this community. You may not even know right now that you're a leader, and you may not know that uh, you'll be doing that, but we have a plan for you. <laughs> um <laughs> That as the church grows, that, that base of leadership is, is going to expand. And this may be appropriate to you in your workplace again or in your school or, or wherever. But something about that role of leadership, if we'll be honest, is, is, is isolating and, and tiring. So what made that work for Moses? Uh, Moses found people to hold up his hands. And actually, I don't think, I don't know, we don't know from the story whether Moses initiated that, but, but these two guys, Aaron and Hur, like talk about a name, Hur. Anybody name their kid Hur? That's pretty, not spelled H-E-R, H-U-R. It's very, it goes very manly, switched with one letter. Uh, but, uh, you know, so just, just people who will gather around you to, to lift up your arms, to support you uh, in, the, in that isolation. And, and, and you know what? For so many people, for so many of us in our workplaces and in our careers, uh, having those people around you uh, who will support you as a leader, who will really see you when you're weak, who will really see you when you're tired, who will really see you when you're broken, and who will, who will come along beside you and, and support you and, and, and lift up your hands it's absolutely huge, but, but most of us, in terms of what we understand about leadership, we understand independence, we understand strength, we understand drive, we understand all of these sort of big words around leadership, being a visionary. But, but a really, really key word uh, for leader is, is humility. Like, like let's, just, let's just do this. Uh, maybe, Andrew, could you come sit in this chair right here? Just take this chair and just put that in the, in the middle. Can we have another volunteer? Maybe Jack, why don't you come over here? Right here. Who else are we going to? Reggie, absolutely. So Reggie, you stand beside Andrew. Turn around so you can face everybody. And just just hold up Andrew's arms. We don't want him to get tired. (laughs) Like, does this feel like a dignified way to, is this an image of leadership? Is, is this an image of marketplace leadership that we see? It's not, it's not the image that we see. It's not the image that leadership coaches talk about. It's not the image that, uh, that you see if you're uh, reading John C. Maxwell. It's not really what you, what you picture. But, but these aspects of leadership, of, of being weak and being vulnerable and, and all that are, are absolutely critical. This is not a dignified position that Andrew is in here. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but, it's, but it's an absolute reality. It's, it, is a, it is a real picture of what leadership sometimes has to be like. You guys can be, be free. Give them a huge hand. Yeah. 
It, it's, it's an absolutely important picture. It's an absolutely important picture of what my leadership needs to be like and what all of our, our team leaders uh, need to understand is that uh, you have to be able to put yourself in that place with people holding up your hands. In order for that to happen, one, you need to telegraph your weakness sometimes. You need people to know that you're weak or else they can't know to help you. And that requires us to humble ourselves for the teams we lead and to be able to say to the teams that we're leading that we need help. To be able to say that the people that are gathered around us that, that I, can't, I can't do this by myself. I can't just pick up every ball that falls myself. I, I, I just can't do it for, for so long. And, and you know, when your armpits are like sticking out, that's vulnerable, isn't it? It's like, I surrender, man. I surrender. There, there's a vulnerability there. You're, you're, you're required to put some trust in people. So how does that, that, that work? How do you do that? How do you build those kinds of leaders around you? One, you, you have to identify people that you trust. You have to identify people that you think could hold up your arms, you think that could care for you in that way. Uh, you have to um, take the risk of engaging those people. Right? You have to take the risk of saying those, those terrifying words, I need help, to others. And, and, and men are the worst at that. And like, we're, we're terrible at that. Well, women are pretty bad at that too. Uh, just, just saying, I, I, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need you to do this with me. And then uh, building trust. How do you build a trust with somebody? That, that, that kind of relationship uh, develops only over time. Like there's a way in which you can lead and you can be constantly in panic mode and saying help, help, help all the time. Uh, and, and that's not really a, a place of building trust. How do you build long-term relationship with, with people who, who can support you and who can care for you and train them to help others uh, come to, to, to join them, to hold up their arms? And so this picture of, of a person with arms being held up by others is a picture that I want to become important for us at, at OBV. You know, we uh, as, as a church have developed a sort of a, a culture of and it's, it, you know, it gets things done in terms of uh, job staffing and organizing volunteers and all that, of, of finding someone who has a capability and plugging them into a hole. Fill the hole, fill the hole, fill the hole. Do any of, are any of you dirt? <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're a real living organism. We're, we're real living people. And, and it's really critical that we, we recognize that that holes in the schedule and holes in, in, in the life of the organization aren't just meant to be filled and, and filled by people who are slotted in like tools or slotted in like parts in a car or, or inanimate objects of some kind. But, but building leadership is, is building, as a weak person, building other weak people into your structure and, and building other, training them to build other, other weak people into their, into their life. And, and so we're, we, as a unit of people who are humble and who are weak and who are broken, uh, we can just be so much stronger. We can just be so much stronger by being people who just humbly confess our need. And you may be a person in this community and you may see somebody, you may see a leader in the church who's working hard and who's struggling and who needs 
help and who need support and, and you're longing to hold up their arms and, and you could just go and quietly ask permission, can I support you? And all of a sudden, the leadership, the strength of leadership in this church just grows at a phenomenal rate when we're no longer thinking of plugging people into holes, but thinking of building leaders who build leaders who build leaders who build leaders. And all of a sudden, we go from adding people. All of a sudden, we go from addition. One plus one is two. One plus one is three. Plus one is four. Plus one is five. And we go to multiplication. Two times two is four times two is eight times two is 16 times two is 32 times two is 64, 128, 254, and on and on and on it goes. Uh, we, we can grow this church in, in a way that is uh, not about flugging holes, but about building and equipping uh, and growing leaders. Uh, so important, but the only way that works is humility and trust. Uh, we see this in the New Testament in Paul's um, instruction to the church in, in Galatians. And Paul's talking in Galatians chapter 6 about um, living by, uh, by this, this deal of trying to help someone who's caught in sin. And that's what our language sort of says as we read this in the NIV uh, it just sort of starts with this, uh, Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. And what Paul's saying uh, in this passage, I'm going to read it in a different version in just a second, but he's saying that a good part of the work of the church is, is helping people uh, who have fallen into sin. Now, raise your hand if you have fallen into sin. <laughs> Right? Okay, so we get that. That's, that's totally good. I would have been really concerned if only one of us had. Or if I was, you guys just left me hanging there. I'm just like, what? That's not fair. I'm the only dude. No. Um, you know, we're, we're all falling in sin. And this is the work, um, you know, language that we use for this that might make more sense is, is praying that people get their hearts healed is having our hearts healed and being developed as, as healthy Christians. So that's just what's happening when we're talking about doing the work of seeing people recover from sin. But Eugene Peterson in the message uh, writes this all as in, in a much more beautiful way. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not always a fan of the message, but uh, in terms of a technical piece of writing, I, I like to unpack things myself. But I really, really love what he's done with this. So I'm just going to read this. As we do this work as a community of, of growing ourselves and growing leaders and, and having every one of us recover from our lives of sin. Live creatively, friends. If someone, everyone, uh, falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. And I'm going to talk about that at the end. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think that you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And then he says this. He says, be very sure now you who have been self-trained to a self-sufficient maturity. Be careful you who have been self-trained to a self-sufficient 
or do you have been trained into a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous, common life with those who have trained you? Be careful, those. Be very sure now you who have been trained into a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous, common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. And I love this. I love this idea that as we are trained and as we grow, as we grow as leaders, as we uh, grow one another up, as we learn to hold up the hands of people around us who are weary, and as we learn to have our hands held up when we're weary, that that is the nature of the common life that we have as a community in Christ. We have this, uh, this call to self-sufficiency, this call to maturity in the context of need, in the context of a community that supports us, in the context of a community that cares for us. We have a shared common life. And back to that line. Oops, sorry. Bear one another's burdens, it says in the NIV, or share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law in the NIV, it says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a, it's kind of a difficult phrase because when we think of the law of Christ, the thing that comes to mind is, is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That seems like the, the, the declaration of the law is declared by Jesus, is summed up by Jesus in that way. But how did he walk that out as a person? How did he fulfill that law? Well, he bore our burdens. He bore our burdens. Greater love has no one than this, than that they lay down their life for a friend. That's the law of Christ to lay down your life for our friends, to lay down our lives. And that's what it is, to hold up someone's arms. That's what it is to have your arms held up, is to have a life that's laid down before Christ and to so share in this common life that we have. Let's stand. Father, I pray for in this church as we continue to develop, as we go into these next uh, stages that you're calling us to as a church, as leadership develops, as we uh, grow from adding leaders to multiplying leaders, uh, God, would you uh, really release us to do that in the context of great humility, in the context of vulnerability, in the safety of, of taking time to build trust, Father. Would you uh, make us a safe place for leaders to grow? Would you uh, create a, a, a real interlinking between us that we wouldn't be seen as, as individual people plugged in to fill holes and just have that be our little space, but would you cause us to be more deeply interconnected than we can imagine? Always with an eye to who needs a lift and always with a heart that humbles ourselves and admits when we need a lift, Father. Would you grow us in the maturity of knowing our weakness so that we can be intimately related to your incredible strength? Would you let your strength grow in us in a radical way, Father? 
Would you transform uh, the culture of leadership in, in this church? Would you transform that culture of leadership in our community, uh, in our workplaces, uh, in our schools, uh, in our families, Father? Would you let us be uh, an interconnected unit? Uh, there were, that there would be sinews that, that connect us, that, that nothing would be a part that can be just plugged in and replaced, that we would be uh, more deeply united than we can imagine. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.